Remember the Times podcast. Welcome to Remember the Times podcast with Eric Olson and Melissa and Travis King. Remember the Times podcast is a podcast where you get to tell the world about your greatest true life stories. If you have a great story to share, email us at rttimespodcast at gmail.com. Season two. Is it? What? Season two. Season two. I'm glad to be back. Podcast. I missed it. Uh, the first couple of weeks, I was like, yeah, I was busy. I'm certain y'all were busy. Busy was an busy. understatement. But yeah. the past month, I've been like, man, I'd miss doing this. Really? Yeah. You missed us? I did. I did. Aww. Hopefully uh, other people missed us as well, because... It sucked to come back and nobody listened. I don't even know, like, with everything yet, you know, with y'all son graduating and I had a daughter that graduated just with college, trying to figure out where we're going to college and getting that all zipped up and everything else. Man, we've, I've been working bees like crazy. Mm -hmm. I don't even know that we would have had time to do it. Yeah, there was no time. We, like, talked about the birds and the bees a couple of times. No, we didn't. We, we, um, this is episode 17, though. This is 17. They say you don't go past 21. We have to at least go, we got to go, we get 22 to 23 out of this. Out of this (laughs) is what I want. At least 23 episodes. I'm telling you that y'all might not think that our podcast is important or does. It's like, I hear chatter. I hear chatter. It's all over the place. I hear people talking about our podcast, and I'm like, Hey. We have shirts on the way too. They will we will show some shirts and if you guys want to support us by buying some shirts, I'll give you some information at a later date. Would love to um to sell some shirts. Can you put the yeah. logo on this shirt? No, not that no, shirt. Not that shirt. That's oh. weird. That's why I wanted it on here. Uh, yeah. We could put it on the back. You're not even wearing a shirt. I know. <laughs> We'd have to shave the back, your That's back right. hair. I can shave it into your hair, but I can't. Uh, <laughs> hey, what about what about a tattoo? Yeah, you we should could tattoo total, your back. You totally with remember the Times <laughs> podcast. That yeah, let's do the, it. Think that uh, we go. Let's do it. No, no, no. I know a few people who do <laughs> tattooing, like you know, beginners. Yeah, why don't you get it done? No, this this body has no tattoos. Yeah, I'm just. No. I'm, I'm ink free. Yeah, we're not going. Not going to do full it. Full back tattoo. Oh, yeah. Oh, we could go down your leg, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> full crack tattoo. There you go. Hair and all. What did y'all think about that uh, Popeye's chicken brawl right up the street from y'all's house? Chicken brawl. That's pretty that, crazy. Like, is that a song? Chicken brawl. It ought to be. Brawl. It ought to be because I love fast food violence. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to do. It's on not the only fast food violence. Sports, though. sports fan, fan, sports fan violence and fast food violence are my. I love on YouTube just looking at that. Well, listen, lately y'all had a good one up the street. I know, and then like a month ago, there was an even better one. There was, there was cars Eric, upside I think, down. I think you should be like those um, storm chasers. Oh. And you should just go around fast food, fast food, food chasers. Heck, yeah, chasers. <laughs> it's not that hard, man, because there's a couple of different fast food chains. If you look, if you type I'm them sure in, you have you, you ever eaten at Popeyes? Oh, let me tell you about Popeyes. 
my father-in-law loves Popeyes. He eats a lot of Popeyes. Mm. And Jill's mom, she was you know sick. She had cancer for a long time, brain tumor. She couldn't, but she loved Popeyes yeah. too. They, it's his thing. So one time when Jill and I first started seeing each other, I can't remember what the scenario was, but they asked me if I could bring her mom some Popeyes. Sure. I will be glad to do that. And I hang up the phone and I'm like, what is a Popeyes? <laughs> Never in my life. I have visited the Colonel on many occasions. I have a right. KFC all the time. Man, we had never went into our Popeyes. I didn't, know, I didn't even know where one was. I had to call them back. And I was like, hey, what exactly is this Popeyes? Like, what, what is it? They're like, it's a chicken place. It's in Riverdale. You can go to Riverdale and get it. Or you can go to South Lake Mall or Riverdale. It's the only two places you mm-hmm. can go. And I was like, oh, okay. I can do that. But yeah, I, at that point in time, I didn't know what it was. I've never so been to Popeyes. Was that the chicken place that my mom and dad brought up to the hospital when I Elijah lived on the born? other side of the railroad tracks in Jonesboro? I don't remember. I really don't remember. Mm-hmm. I like Popeyes. I don't have a problem with Popeyes. They, there was a brawl though. I mean, I don't know that. Oh man, they came spilling out of the door. And the part that's so funny about it is they're wailing. The whole staff is out there in the parking lot, just wailing on Who's each other. Who's making chicken? That's the funny thing is there's still people that they're waiting in their cars in the drive-through line. <laughs> the entire staff is out there beating on each other, and there's they're not like leaving or anything. It's just like, oh, does this mean I'm not going to get my, yeah. you know, like the, everybody's going to go out there and chickens, go, ah, 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 and then be like, sandwich. all right, man, let's go let's in go there. Back yeah, and make let's go. This guy gets a spicy yeah. chicken sandwich and his red beans and rice, you know, That's and their funny. terrible tea that they make. <laughs> They, they do not have good tea, oh. but they do have good biscuits. And the the mashed potatoes are not, like, I'm really, I'm a mashed potato snob. Their mashed potatoes aren't terrible. I mean, they're not terrible for fast food mashed potatoes. Well, he's trying but to catch a like, fox. That was what the, it called for, is like, get Popeye's chicken. No, he said KFC. Oh. I was wrong. And we bought Popeye's. We bought Popeye's. We and never, we did not catch a fox. We didn't catch a fox. Sorry. Yeah. So pretty uneventful we, there. What <laughs> 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 was wrong? No, but down the down the street we have a KFC and Taco Bell, and there was a brawl down there. It, nice. Like it, the employees were fighting each other. The KFC and the Taco Bell employees. See, I have a theory on that. I think the KFC people were going to run over to Popeyes and fight them, but they needed more on board, and they tried to get the. Taco Bell Taco people. Taco Bell people on board, and they were like, no, nah, man, we're not doing that. And like, this is not crazy. The, so sure. then they beat their asses and kind of foiled that night. This Taco Bell and KFC, it's not a combo? No, no. no. They're like two freestanding They had to stores. leave. They, each one had to leave their yes. places of business. I mean, to it was like within a, like, you know. night. I mean, it's 50 yards. yards. Yeah, it's yards <laughs> that you walk from one to the next. I would love to but, find out the story. But that. then there was a high-speed chase. And then there was accidents. And there was a cop car upside down on the road. Like, it was a serious deal. Yeah. Oh, it blocked the traffic up for hours. Hours. Fast food violence, man. I'm I love saying. it. I love it. Yeah, we need to find some that more. Is, I, I, you should would, write a book. I would love. Oh man, you, it would be so great. Maybe that's what a our movie. podcast should be about. My fast food violence. Fast food Minor threat should do the, the the theme for you. Who? Minor threat should do the theme for I'll you. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. That could be an it. awesome podcast. 
we could we could have another one. Just fast analyze food. fast food yes. brawls. Well, that's what they do to those true crime things. Yeah. They just sit around and talk about it. Maybe that should oh, maybe that'll just be a segment. That'll be a new segment for season two. Fast food violence. Fast food violence. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. If anybody I know I do this and nobody, nobody says anything. We had the whole sheet thing. Nobody said anything. Now, y'all need to come out. You got fast food violence uh, stuff going on. You need to call us. You need to email us. What is our email? RTTomsPodcast at gmail.com. See? Oh, wait. We have email? Yeah, I think so. We have TikTok. I don't even know what that is, but we have that too. Somebody out there. Let us know about fast food violence. Maybe we change our podcast. I'm not sure. Well, it, it, I think it at least deserves a segment on the show. Sure. I think so. Or maybe we should have uh, like, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes of fast food violence every show. Ooh, maybe we could put out a search for a reporter of fast food violence and then we could just call them up and they could just tell us about <laughs> oh, it. Oh, I thought that would be you though. We could just put it out there for, for people. Hey, <clears throat> is there a reporter if, of that? If anybody's and, interested in being our fast food violence reporter, man, right. you, they, you'd have your stuff. Like we'll give you a it. shirt. It feels like they would have to bait that. Though. <laughs> 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 to be the right place at the right time. I don't know. Like, yeah. It'd be kind of crazy. That would be. <clears throat> So who you got for tonight, Eric? We got uh, John Hoseman. Okay. Uh, John Hoseman is an old friend from the south side of Atlanta. Uh, I've I've known John since elementary school, and uh, talking way back. Many, uh, I don't know, several years ago, he popped up uh, on Facebook, and man, he's uh, into uh, paragliding. Oh wow! Takes these sailing trips. Yeah. I think rock climbing and I think ice climbing. Nice. Just uh, 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 doing real life adventure stuff. That's and, cool. And uh, so I thought he would be I'm, a great uh, I'm person. I'm excited about that. I uh, Great guest. I know John. I've known him since middle school. I think I had one class with him. I don't know him that well, but uh, I have looked at his Facebook page and he's going on quite the journey. Yes. I, I was excited that he agreed to, uh, to talk to us and, uh, uh yeah, I've been excited about this one all week. Nice. So yeah, I uh ha- we haven't played podcast in a long time. We haven't played podcast. But I am ready to play podcast. Nice. Give me I wonder call. I wonder if he's seen any sharks. I'm gonna ask him. Well rock climbing? No. Sailing. De- Eric said sailing. Oh, well, I was confused. I wanna know about the sharks. Do you like honey? The Old Georgia Bee Company has fresh local honey for you and your family. We have pint jars, we have 16-ounce squeeze containers, and 8-ounce bear containers. Every dollar you spend with the Old Georgia Bee Company goes into purchasing more honeybees and more honeybee habitat. The Old Georgia Bee Company is a family-owned operation. The Old Georgia Bee Company, that's O-L-D-E, Georgia Bee Company. Please like and share us on Facebook. Travis, it's John. Hey, John. What's up, man? Oh, not a lot. How about you? Not much. Uh, here with Eric and my wife, Melissa. Hey, how are you? Hey, John. It's been a long time. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing all right. Eric? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for uh, being with us tonight. Yeah, no, thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. 
No, we want to hear, uh, you know, everything. We want to hear uh, about uh, your paragliding, all that stuff. And uh, is well, well, John, what drew you out west? My uh, my daughter was actually well, I guess the mountains. I'd, you know, at the time I was in the rock climbing quite a bit and uh, pretty much climbed every major rock formation in the southeast. And my daughter was going to college there in Montana. So mm. I had visited Bozeman several times and just decided I'm going to head that way. So we pretty much sold everything I had, loaded it in a van and drove it up there. About what year was that? That was 2015. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Not that long ago. So Bozeman is in Montana. Yes. And that's where you, like your home base is? Yes, that's where I currently live for the last 11 years, almost 11 years now. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. So you didn't choose that that town because it was Ho- uh, Bozeman, right? You're not Hoseman from Bozeman. No, I'm just ha- so happy. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I always say I'm going to add an end to Bozeman. That's right. Yeah. Start a petition. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's Bozeman's funny. The actual founder of Bozeman was John Bozeman, and he was from Atlanta. Oh, wow. Oh, really? wow. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, from Marietta. So just coincidence. So yeah, when I say John Hoseman a lot, now people say John Bozeman. <laughs> like, no, 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 I'm John Hoseman. No, you should just say yes. Yeah, you should just say yes. yes. <laughs> Distant relative. Yeah. No, it, it's a great town, a great place to live. I, I really like it there. You know, super laid back. Unfortunately, you know, I don't do a lot of work there. I just live there. Right. Most of my work is travel work. So, um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's always nice to go home. But, you know, I've, I've been on a mission for the past year and a half to travel and, and work. I'm trying to save funds because we got a big sailing trip planned here in three months where my wife and I, we bought a sailboat and we're fixing it up. We're taking it down to the Caribbean. So, you know, we got a lot planned over the next three months. So, wow, where? I've, uh, yeah, for the last year, I've been just pretty much saving funds, guys. You know, to pull that off is, you know, it's quite expensive. So I'm doing all I can to make it happen. Well, John, cool. where, where is your boat? Uh, it's down in Florida right now in the uh, Punta Gorda area, which is just mm-hmm. north of uh, Fort Myers, oh, wow. south of Tampa. John, I mean, rock rock climbing, uh, paragliding, and sailing. I mean, wh- where it it where do you find time to learn all of these cool? Yeah, well, I'm and, almost and, fifty. We're all getting older, right? I'm almost fifty. <laughs> all this started years ago. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, I was I was lucky, guys. I mean, I was I was honestly on a path of destruction in my younger years. Um, Eric probably saw a small part of that when we went to school together. You know, from what I remember of Eric, he was a quiet guy, and you know, he he paid attention in school, and you know, he wasn't so quiet. <laughs> he, he wasn't so quiet. It was awkward. No, but, uh, you know, I was more like Woody Woodpecker, you know, I was a troublemaker and I, always an instigator. You know, so. Well, John, that's what, like, yeah, this is Travis, by the way. I, I, um, I had one class with you. We, we shared middle school and high school. And I think I had one class with you and one really interaction with you, you know, and I, um, I didn't really have an opinion. I thought you were a fine guy, cool guy. We didn't really hang out. We, I think we had some people that maybe we hung out with to, you know, between the two of us at different times, but you know, I kind of had this image of you as this one thing. And then like to see you take off on these adventures, is just, like, it blows my mind. I think that's just an incredible success story. And that's why when Eric said he, you know, Hey, we'd get John Hoseman. I was like, Hey, let's do that. That, that dude's doing it. You know, you're doing all these great adventures. So I think yeah. there's a, 
like I said, it's led up to that, Travis. Over, you know, when I was in school, I was on a path of destruction. But shortly after that, once we got out of school, yeah. well, actually for four years, I was in a rock band. So it, it continued, I would say. Right. But, uh, you know, I was partying hard and throwing parties and, you know, and, you know, living the long, young, dumb life, basically. And, and uh, one day a, a friend of mine took me rappelling there in North Georgia. Okay. And, so we were rappelling down these rock faces, and when I got to the bottom, I saw a group of climbers there, and they were working on a couple of routes. So I sat and watched and just thought, you know, that's that's where the challenge is. You know, right. anybody can rappel down a rock, but to climb up is, you know, it really intrigued me. So I mean, I would think it probably wasn't a week later, I was up at REI trying to buy ropes and all my gear. <laughs> and, so, you know, I really fell into climbing pretty hard, and I uh, – Brian Tinsley, who we also yeah, went to yeah, school yeah, with. Yeah. Yeah, Brian, Brian Tinsley and Keith Tinsley. I ended up teaming up with them, and we went to Kentucky and Alabama, and, you know, we were traveling around the southeast climbing together. Mm. And, um, you know, and Brian, he, he actually hit climbing pretty hard there for the, the same time I did. So, right, he, uh, you know, we just we climbed, climbed, climbed. I was all about climbing for for uh, several years, and I still am. I'm more of a climber, I would say, than I am a paraglider. Really? I've wow. been climbing for almost 30 years now I've been climbing. But, uh, you know, after I climbed with uh, Brian Tinsley, I ended up, you know, I've had several climbing partners over the years. Yeah. And, uh, I ended up meeting up with a guy, Greg Barry, and me and him were both into kind of videography. Yeah. So, uh, yeah you know, yeah. We, we, we just hit it off. You know, he, he had a camera. We climbed. We both wanted to film and climb as much as we could. So, you know, for... I want to say more than 10 years I climbed with Greg Barry and he just great guy, easy to get along with. I was his best man at his wedding. We're still keeping in touch to this day. Nice. And, uh, you know, all the way up till I moved to Montana, we climbed together. So, That's um, cool. That's cool. So do you do any free climbing or is it all? No, not much free climbing. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, I started off doing basically sport routes okay. where you know, the bolts are already placed in the rock. So you go, mm. you go up and you click quick draws as you climb up. Nice. Then we progressed into traditional climbing, which is also known as trad climbing, where we place our own gear, you know, wedging in cracks. Right. You know, putting, putting gear into, placing it into the rocks to protect ourselves. Right, right. Which is a little more advanced climbing than sport climbing because, you know, the bolts are already there. In sport climbing, this, you're kind of relying on your placements to keep you safe. So, right. Uh, and, then, and then shortly after that, we got really into bouldering, which is kind of right on the ground. Yeah. You know, hard, very hard climbing right off the ground on, you know, anywhere from 10, 20, 30 foot high boulders. And uh, bouldering is really a social sport, which I really loved about it because, you know, when me and Greg were climbing, a lot of times we're out in the middle of nowhere by ourselves. Yeah. When I when I started bouldering, you know, that's when I really started meeting the climbing community. And some of my best friends to this day are people that I met while bouldering and traveling around the southeast. And oh, just wow. uh, I can't say enough about the Southeastern Climbers Coalition and the Southeastern Climbers in general, like I've traveled all over the country now climbing, and the community down there is just, it's, it's just irreplaceable. Right. So, like, there's, there's a there's lot of places about, around, like, down here that you can go to. I mean, I know, like, there's mountains and things like that, but even boulders, like, I would think yeah. that would be out west, like, more, um, just more no, rocks yeah. and stuff out there, you know? There's actually quite a bit of bouldering in the southeast. Um, in Alabama, 
mm. in Tennessee, North Carolina, oh, wow. and, in Georgia, and in Georgia as well. There's a, a, a part that I played a big part in, or, you know, we used to video a lot there in the Southeastern Climbers Coalition bought, I want to say it was eight acres there in Atlanta. Um, at the time, a builder was coming in and blowing up boulders. And, you know, at the time, you know, over the years, we had already named the boulders and, you know, mm. numbered them. And, you know, so they didn't really, I don't think they realized what they really had. So they were coming in and blowing them up and building houses. So, oh, you no. know, we stood in front of build, bulldozers and, you know, ended up uh, <laughs> talking, to, raising the money. I think it was 160000 or whatever, you know, that we had to pay for the property. But that property is still reserved for rock climbing and it's called uh, Boat Rock. Wow. Yeah, it's called Boat Rock, and it's, you know, right there in Atlanta. I've heard yeah, of that. That's cool. But that's just one small boulder field there in Atlanta, you know. But, you know, there's boulders scattered all over the southeast. So where's your favorite, favorite place to climb? Favorite place to climb? I don't know if I have one, honestly. Yeah. Well, where where else besides the southeast and, of, of course, Montana have you have you done some climbing? Oh, I've climbed in Colorado and Wyoming, California, Texas, yeah, I'll look, you know, mostly south, every state in the southeast, obviously. Right. Um, a little in Kansas, there's even climbing, there's climbing everywhere. So as I travel, I'm always looking for a boulder field or, you know, somewhere I can you know, do a little rock climbing, just take a little hike. It's, it's relaxing to me. So anyway, so the climbing ended up leading me to, to paragliding. I was climbing in Montana, more mountaineering. You know, there's different styles of climbing. You have... Yeah bouldering sport climbing trad climbing and mountaineering and free solo climbing and speed climbing like it goes on and on right but so while i was uh, mountaineering with a friend of mine ian bailey which is now i would say my current climbing partner mm-hmm. um he is also from atlanta and followed me up to montana shortly after just by coincidence but um so Ian and I have climbed, you know, numerous routes around Montana, Wyoming, and we ended up going up there and getting into ice climbing. Mm, wow. Oh, wow. man. That's when really I, you know, transitioned from rock climbing to ice climbing. So actually, when I've been in Montana, I've mostly ice climbed. The ice climbing there is world class and it's right in my backyard. So um, when one year we did 30 different ice falls around Montana and Wyoming, we were on a mission to climb as many waterfalls as we could. Right. So, wow. You know, but that, it's really stepping up the game a lot more when you're on ice. It's, you know, it's is that just with like an ice pick? Like, yeah, we have crampons on and yeah, ice picks. Yeah. Yeah. And as we climb up, we're putting in ice crews to protect ourselves. So, right. you know, you really have to read the ice and know what's good and what's bad. And uh, Ian's a top notch climber, great partner. Like, I put my life in his hands many times sure. and don't, don't think twice about it. Uh, so, you know, we, but we've definitely had our scary moments at, at times, too, you know, and the same with rock climbing, with rock fall and ice fall. You know, I've been I've been pretty fortunate to, to do that without any serious accidents over the last 30 years. That's pretty awesome. But, uh, but you know, it's calculated risk. Yeah. You know, so the, the more you do it, the more you can weigh the, how risky it is and you can decide like it's safe or it's not safe. Right. So, you know travis and i we we hiked uh you know a few miles up pine mountain trail and we thought we were badass you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've been there (laughs) and and we needed like two days to recover after we were done yeah uh, we're old yeah 
We're old. We don't age as well as you have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll so, tell you what. It's nice to hear them southern accents. <laughs> so John, I'm in Sacramento. I'm in Sacramento, California, right now. Are, are you are you are you out there uh, climbing or paragliding? No, or? I'm actually I'm working. I'm um, doing uh, project management for retail stores. They got 326 stores nationwide. Mm, so wow. we travel from town to town and um, help them update their stores. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm the project manager. I fund it all, so I pretty much run the whole shit show. Wow. Oh, wow. That's yeah. pretty so can, you say, can you say what stores? It's a David's Bridal is what we're doing now. And uh, last year last year I did 20 of them. And this is actually number 227 store for me oh, over wow. the last 17, nice. yeah, last 17 years. Wow. So, you know, I've managed to, managed to, you know, get in pretty good with them. And at this point, we're all kind of a pretty tight-knit group of friends that kind of watch out for each other. Nice. So, they, feed, they feed me work and I take care of them. But that, that's generating the funds for the sailing trip that I got up uh, coming up because here after two two months from now I'll be off for you know six or seven months. So, wow. is, is that by design or that's because there's not work to do? Like you take off that much time. They usually do it these stores in phases. Um, mm -hmm. so they'll, they'll release you know ten to twenty stores at a time, mm -hmm. and we'll just kind of go from one store to the next and yeah and usually it's a certain time of year usually around september october we're finishing up and then they kind of go back to the drawing board to decide which doors are going to be next on the list gotcha. okay so that's kind of a cool uh gig that you have that you can work as much as you can you know for a certain period of time and then you're it's like like the Italians, they have like month long vacations. Yours is just longer. <laughs> you know, and I got a couple of other crews that are traveling for me as well because we got multiple locations going on at the same time. Gotcha. Yep. So, you know, we'll have, you know, three stores going and I got, you know, two other crew, one crew on each other store and, you know, my store going as well. So, yeah, and my wife, Sonia, bless her heart, she coordinates it as well. With a lot of paperwork, I always say I create the paperwork, and she deals with it. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, John, uh, has this the sailing? Has that always been like a a, a dream, or is this something that came onto you kind of quick, or or how how did that occur? No, I'd say COVID. When COVID came, it definitely it was. It's always been a dream, but when COVID came, we had more time to say now's the time to do it. So before that, you did parasailing, right? That. Yeah, paragliding. Paragliding, I'm sorry. So will you tell everybody kind of what that is? I mean, I, I know what paragliding is, but just... I know, that brings me back to... I, I got off track when I was climbing a mountain there in um, in, in Montana. Yeah, I was yeah. with, with Ian, you know, Ian started talking about paragliding and, you know, how we could just, you know, fly back to the car instead of hiking 20 miles back. <laughs> <All right. laughs> it's like, okay, just count me in. So within a week, we were taking our lessons. That was very wow. Jackson's life. Now, 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 how long? How long does it take to the lessons? How how long does the learning process? Uh, a month. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've seen people take the course and is you know within a couple of weeks. But you know, honestly, that's just enough to get yourself hurt. Right. Mm. You know, paragliding, paragliding is a sport that's it's it's always learning. You can't right? do this, Eric. You, know? you will break a hip. Oh, I know. You ain't gonna tell so. me. No. Keep your feet on the ground, man. Keep your feet on the ground. We started paragliding, Ian and I, you know, we were doing smaller 
tra- training heels, you know, a lot right. of ground handling where you're standing on flat ground, flying your paraglider like a kite. Okay. So you'll do you'll do quite a bit of that, you know, before you even fly. You do quite a bit of training. So once you go through all the training and you spend the time and you, you have the knowledge, then it's not as crazy as it seems. Right. I saw one of your videos where you, I, I, I don't, you were uh, in, you had landed somewhere. I guess you guys were in Mexico, and you said yes. that you landed somewhere and and you were you were uh, had some dudes ride up to you on horses and you didn't really know what was going on and they they kind of uh, escorted you and it wound up they just were kind of wanting to hang out with you and talk to you for a second and they actually wound up giving you a ride at ride back to the wherever you had came from or something like you that think, you did you think that you were getting picked up by the drug cartel <laughs> i did yeah <laughs> a crazy day it was a crazy day now a day, a day i will definitely never now, is, there, is dumb question is there any kind of faa thing that you guys got to talk to the faa or anything like that oh, yes yeah we got radios on us so we can you know talk to gotcha. you're crossing over restricted areas you know air and we definitely have to follow FAA regulations. Right. We can't go higher, any higher than eighteen thousand feet on a paraglider. Okay. Is what? Yeah. What's the general altitude? Yeah. You know, well, like, does that how? Like, so eighteen thousand, whatever you just said, I lost. <laughs> so, like, I'm, I'm just thinking, is is that like plane high? Like, how high is that? 18,000 feet yeah. above ground level? Yeah, I mean, what about the oxygen? What about your oxygen? Like, isn't it? Okay, I know. Yeah, anything, I know. Yeah, anything, yeah, anything above 10,000 feet. Right. We have an oxygen bottle yes. that will turn on and start feeding you oxygen. Okay, so that's a serious thing. I mean, because you could get up there and, like, you know, you get the vapors and pass out, and then what happens? Oh, it's happened. You're, You're exactly right. You're exactly right. It's happened. Yeah, people's oxygen bottles have, you know, ran out of oxygen, and they, um, yeah, they start, everything starts closing in. <laughs> you know, have you experienced that, John? Bottles. No, I have not. I'm lucky enough to not experience that. I've always planned ahead and, you know, always yeah. had plenty of oxygen on me. But, you know, paragliding is one of them. It's, it's even hard to explain. You know, if you fly through a cloud and you got a tent above you, you know, it's basically rips out nylon, you know, collapsible yeah. wing, folds in a backpack. Right, right. You know, you use that. And, you know, once, once you have the knowledge and you – it's so much weather, guys. I mean, I can't – I just can't even – we could talk for an hour just on paragliding, honestly, right. just the weather, because you really have to know the day to fly. Like, if you get out and you're in bad weather, then things can go bad very, very quickly. Yeah, but things can go bad at any point, it feels like. It feels like I can watch the Weather Channel, and they tell me it's going to be a you know a great day, and I go out there. And, yeah, know. exactly. So right. that's how detailed your weather has to be. Gotcha. You, know, you really have to look at the winds aloft up to the 18,000 feet, so you're doing weather all the way from the ground all the way up to 18,000 feet because the wind directions, the wind speed changes as you go up. The right. temperature changes. Right. So right. you have I mean, to be a meteorologist in order to do this. Like basically, it's not just, you are. Yeah, that's right. right. Yes. Basically are a micro meteorologist. Right. You're looking at the, the weather that's right there in that where you're flying. Right. And also, if you're going 125 miles away, you have to look at the weather there where you're going to be landing and right. estimate what time of day that's going to be. 
Now, right. do, do, do people ever get a lot, goes, a lot goes into the planning and the, the knowledge? So that's what I said. By the time you do your training and you're really ready for that, then and you'll know you're already right. If not, most people won't be able to pull it off. It's not like just going it, and you know getting your your glider thing and just jumping off a mountain. That doesn't happen. <laughs> That, yeah, well, if you do that, then you have to know how to ride the thermals up, right? You right. see the birds there in Georgia ter- uh, doing circles, right? All the buzzards you yeah. guys got yeah. in there. Look up any given day in Georgia, and there's birds doing circles, right? And the next thing you know, they're up higher and higher. That's the general idea of what we're doing. You know, when we're flying along, we can fill them up drafts, and we just start filling them out by doing circles, and we try to stay in the strongest part of that up, updraft. And, as the air rises, the air will cool, so everything will equal out, so it gets smoother once you get up high. So it's actually, even though it seems like it'd be scarier up high, it's actually safer when you get up high. Mm-hmm. If something goes wrong with your 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 glider, then you have plenty of time to throw your reserve parachute. If you're close to the ground and something goes wrong, right, then, right, right. You know, then that's you're in a, you're in the danger zone when you're close to the ground. John, so, uh, go ahead, Travis. That's Eric. Yeah, Eric, Eric just lost his train of thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can see it. They can that's, see that's, it. That's, that's a lot to comprehend, guys. Y'all, y'all, yeah, yeah. <laughs> y'all were biting off a lot. It's a lot to comprehend, you know. John, are, are your spots that you 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 leave from and the spots that you land at? Are there? Have y'all ever ran into any trouble, like authorities or people trying to make you guys not? Uh, do y'all ever run into that where people are anti, you know, uh, uh, anti-paragliders, anti-paragliders that don't want you doing that, and they're like, ah, and yeah. they try to stop stop you guys from that. I've landed everything in the middle of a pot farm in Oregon to the middle of a cow pasture with a bull charging at me. Like when you're paragliding, you got to be ready for everything. So that's what I was going to ask is like, how accurate is your landings? Like, it seems like that's, it's almost, it would depend on the day, but it just seems like you could land anywhere. I I want to know about the landing in the pot farm. Sometimes it's spot on and that's a good day. Yeah. Everything went as planned. Was the pot farm a good day? <laughs> I mean, like, did people come out of the like out of the leaves with guns, and they're like, "Hey, get out of get out of here!" Or do you get a couple of yeah, handfuls and run off? Yeah. Uh, yeah, most people are just curious, mm-hmm. honestly. Like most people, when I've landed on their property and I've been approached, they just wanted to hear more about like where I came from. And, right. You know, they were you know they're more than willing to give me a ride. You know, even down in Mexico with the cartel. You know, just, <laughs> hop on the horse. Yeah, I mean, they did take all my money. <laughs> no, they took your money. Well, that was more of a, a gesture for them to get me out of there and gotcha. take me back to town. Oh, they were really nice people, honestly, and a little village out in the middle of nowhere. But you know, I got, when you're paragliding, you got to be prepared for everything. You never know what you're going to get into. They oh. broke out. I think it was uh, I'm trying to remember. They broke out a pack of cigarettes and a bottle of Coca-Cola. I mean, Coca-Cola in Mexico was like gold. So they, they poured a little glass for everyone, maybe 20 people that were there. Oh, wow. Yeah, heck yeah. Passed a, passed a cigarette to everyone. And, you know, everyone sat around, you know, and laughing. And that's the, when I finally knew, like, okay, it's going to be okay. Yeah. When you're being escorted, when you're being escorted out of the woods and, you know, you have a bunch of, you know, I don't speak very well Spanish at all. So, you know, <laughs> right. 
didn't really realize exactly, you know, but I had a sense like everything was going to be okay. And I still had my friends on radio. Right. So you know, when, when you're flying like that and you're, there's different kinds of flying, you know, when one style of flying is ridge soaring. So you have like the ocean breeze coming in. Yeah. It's a little cliff line forces all the air up. Right. So you can stay in that ridge lift and go back and forth. Nice, gentle air. Nice. I'd say probably some of the safest climbing because mm. there's nothing to disrupt the air that you're in that's coming off of the ocean. So it's very laminar, very smooth air. Right. So, but you're restricted to that ridge. As soon as you go away from that ridge, you're going to land out. Gotcha. Yeah. But it's a good way to learn the basics and get airtime to get comfortable in your harness Right. And then once you, once you do a lot of ridge soaring, then you can move on to cross-country flying. Like, like cross-country flying is not just something you're going to go take a paragliding course and you're going to be out there doing it, you know, next month. I'm sure it happens for some people that are in the right location with the right training, right. with the right state of mind. But uh, for, for most people, that's a two or three year commitment to be able to pull that off. Gotcha. And you when you say cross-country, do you mean like literally... From one side, what east coast to west coast, or no, no, just uh, like cross country running. We do like it's XC flying basically when you launch okay. in from one area and you don't know where you're gonna land. I got you. you I understand. What would you eat? Yeah. Where would you go to the bathroom, yeah, Travis? Well, I was just thinking that like if it was a planned thing, you could go from one, you know, and try to. Oh, like you fly oh, yeah. okay. for a while and yeah. then you land yeah. and like, like camp would, or something right. and then that's start was, again. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, so we we can do that as well. You can do triangles where we go out and we come right back to where we are. But um, you know, once you get to a certain certain point, you just want to go distance. Mm-hmm. You just want to. And when you when you get up into the higher atmosphere, you get the wind pushing you. You know, usually we go downwind. You don't want to go into the wind because your ground speed is going to be very low. Right. Right, so you're not actually covering much ground. Our gliders fly, you know, average around 22, 25 miles per hour. So how did that end up being uh, sailing for you? What, I mean, there had to be some sort of correlation, right? Like, well, there is a correlation just by listening to him that he likes that, uh, like, extreme <laughs> stuff. Like, I mean, heights. No, it, all it's the aerodynamics that we teach. Uh, that are at our school when we're teaching paragliding a lot of it is aerodynamics how the wing works what causes the wing to create lift uh-huh. it's like any any airplane wing it has a curve and that curve in the, the amber of the wing is with uh, you know the way the wing's designed is what causes the lift right that's what makes airplanes fly yep. it's, a, it's an amazing thing and the same thing for sails that's what makes sailboats work right it's the curve of the sail is what creates the lift to help pull the boat Gotcha. You know, that's really what drew me in. And I just started doing more studying on it. You know, I've always wanted to, you know, I went to high school down in Fort Lauderdale when I got in so much trouble in Jonesboro, they couldn't take me no more. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up going down to Fort Lauderdale and my dad, he was a boat mechanic. So oh, I, okay. I, I grew up a lot on boats, gotcha. you know, I'm familiar with boats. And, you know, Sonia, my wife and I have always talked 
about buying a sailboat one day and selling off into the sunset like most people. Right. But, uh, you know, was, during COVID, when we were sitting around, I started watching sell, selling videos with her, and we just decided we're going to do it. We're going to yeah. make it happen. So we drove down there. I did one job on the way to create, you know, to generate a little bit of funds. We drove down there and uh, ended up finding a boat. I think I paid around $5,500 for this piece of shit. Really? <laughs> no. Uh, you bought a sailboat for $5,500? Yeah, and then we I cleaned it up, did a little bit of work, and we jumped right in the thing, jumped out in the ocean and went 80 miles up the coast. Wow. We went from, uh, we went from Key Biscayne up to West Palm Beach. Okay. That's the trip that we made. Then we sailed, we sailed around West Palm Beach and I ended up fixing that boat up for, you know, the months that we stayed on it. And yeah. some guy just happened to walk by and made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Wow. So we ended up selling it. We made a little bit of money on it. I learned a little bit about sailboats. Yeah. And, you know, I really learned that it's going to take more funds than $5,500. Okay, here, I, I'm a very logistic-minded person. So you went from Key Biscayne to West, uh, West Palm how did you get back? Where was your car? Like, how, um, does that, how does that work? Did you take Uber? Yes, we Ubered back down there. You did not. <laughs> it cost five thousand. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Ironically, it was like the exact amount that we sold the boat for. Right. Right. I mean, because you know, like when Travis and Eric go down the Flint on um, the kayak or whatever, it's a it's a a juggle you know act you got to put one car here and one car there and you know the cars have to be able to have this the same equipment to be able to put the kayaks on it or whatever you know what i'm saying like it needs to there's logistics so when you travel you know up the coast ever how many miles and then you just suddenly sell uh sell your um you know your boat your boat your (laughs) wheels you know what i'm saying like you just sold it out from under you then, we had I had my van there in in town. We mm-hmm. drove it down to Key Biscayne. We uh, bought the boat. I parked my van at the guy's house that I bought my the boat from. Yeah. Then we took the boat up the coast and then Uber back to get the. And I was lucky Did enough. I really friend of mine. <laughs> I thought you. I thought you were. Yeah, I thought he was kidding. Oh man. That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> That's just awesome. Please continue, John. <laughs> yeah, I was I was lucky enough a friend let us stay in their house, nice place right there in uh, West Palm Beach. So a swimming pool out back, right on the water. So you know we we had a we had it we had it made. I mean nice. our first trip our first trip went better than planned, honestly. Yeah. Like so uh, and and we everybody was telling me you know you're gonna lose money the boat's the worst thing to buy you know whatever you know, I'm gonna do it anyway right. <laughs> we, ended, we ended up making money we ended up not spending not a dime you know so it kind of helped covered all our expense while we were down there and that's cool and, uh, that's awesome so then, and I made a commitment then that you know I'm gonna come back I'm gonna go to work I'm gonna make more money we're gonna come back and we're gonna do this right right that's pretty much where my mind's been set over the last year is just work, work, work. I've, I've managed to, you know, save up the funds now. We went back down there. We bought a Catalina 30. It's a so 30 I've seen some money. of those videos. Like I watched your, like I haven't friended you yet on Facebook. Eric has. <laughs> but I was watching those videos and they're amazing. Like you're out there. Like you're, yeah. you're doing it, man. Like that's pretty awesome. What is that like? Like being out there all by yourselves in the middle of the ocean. 
And it's a beautiful thing. With the sharks. <laughs> With the yeah. sharks. So you've experienced yeah. bad seas, I'm sure, right? Like there's been storms yeah. and it's been pretty rough. Like what's that like? It's not fun. <laughs> it's the guy say it's fun when it's done. It's fun when it's done. It's a story, right? Like I know my, yeah. my my dad was in Vietnam and talked about these 30 foot swells in Vietnam, you know, on a tugboat. He was on a tugboat. And I'm sure it's fun now, but I'm sure it was scary as hell at the time. So that's that's what I was wondering. Like, what what is it like in that moment? Is it just this adrenaline rush or is it like complete sheer terror? Like, how am I going to get out of this? I'd say it's more focus, honestly. I don't, yeah. Not, um, I, I found that in the worst heat of the moments, I'm, I really don't, I'm not scared. There's no time to be scared. Right. You're more focused on whatever it's going to take to keep you safe when right. you're in that moment. And then, you know, then later when you think about it after it's over, then you start getting scared. Like, wow, did that really just happen? And then did right. I just do that? Right. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, it was, but it's sailing life, is, right? sailing so is many, awesome. So many times, like, if we would just calm down and focus on the moment, people, um, we would get through these things, and that, that's kind of cool that you're able to do that. I mean, there's a lot of people that are trained to do that, and there's a lot of people who have no idea how to do that. So that's pretty cool that you can you can focus and just get get it done. Yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty optimistic guy. Right. She's, she's, maybe too much sometimes. <laughs> Okay, no, now we gotta ask the question about the sharks. It's like how many how many sharks have you seen out there? None. Oh, no, he's on the water while sailing. I don't yeah. know if I've seen any while sailing. Really? Like you don't oh, like? Melissa thinks if you go out in the ocean, it's like you know the movie sharks. Piranha or something, and they Jaws. just come just like just chomping at like all yeah. your sharks. Bits and, and the whole time dogs. you're just like yeah. jabbing off the side of the with a screwdriver. Yeah, yeah jabbing <laughs> away. It's Jaws. <laughs> I'm honestly not scared of sharks. I <laughs> swim with sharks. <laughs> right. Yeah, not, yeah. Yeah, I've surfed many, many years, and I've had sharks all around me, and we just kept surfing. I don't know. When I look back on it, maybe it was a stupid thing to do, but... Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> they they, they don't really think, like, their brains don't work the same as ours do. There's not any, like, rational thought process. All they're like is, like, food, 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 and there you are. <laughs> So, John, when you're out there and the water's getting kind of rough, like what what's probably the biggest swells that you had to deal with out there, do you think? Oh, I'd say maybe eight to ten, something okay. like that. Yeah. yeah, nothing nothing too extreme. But, you know, eight to ten's big when you're in a 30-foot boat. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you're, getting, you're getting bucked all over the place and, you know, everything's getting tossed about and, um, you know, it's... But, you know, it's just kind of hang on and watch the weather. You know it's going to pass. Right. John, I was going to say, usually it's the wind more than the actual ocean. Right. If the winds pick up and the winds are really high, which usually causes the swell. It's a combination of both. Right. Which, which can make it, you know, a little more extreme. So do you keep the sail out whenever it's really windy and mm -hmm. choppy, or do you put the sail in? You put the sail no, in, No, you right? can put the sail in, yeah. And you can make the sail smaller, which what they call reefing the sail. So if the winds start picking up a little strong, then you can reef it in and, you know, do it with a half a sail. Mm. And then if the winds continue to pick up and you're looking at, you know, really strong, strong wind, then it's probably a good idea to pull it all the way in. Okay. Right. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still new to sailing, so I'm still learning. You know, I'm, um, you know, I'm only 
been you know studying sailing for a little over a year now. Hmm. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I mean, your the videos best... are awesome. Like, yeah, I mean, I just enjoy watching. It, like, I think you should do more of that the next time. Like, really, like. <laughs> and John, what's what's the trip you have planned? What what is the sailing trip that you were talking about that you have planned? Well, we're gonna go down to the Dry Tortegas, which mm. is just off of the co- coast of Florida. Yep. Uh, Fort Jefferson's out there, so we're just gonna go kind of explore that area, then go down to the Keys, and then out to the Bahamas, and then from there, I'm considering possibly going up to North Carolina. Wow. Because that's where that's where my granddaughter is, and uh, I'd really like to go up there and get her and my daughter and you know their family to come out with us. And nice. What's the estimated uh, time that that would take? Uh, well, I have four months planned for that. Wow. Just, wow. Us, us taking our time. I mean, I could probably, you know, sell her around the coast like that and be up in North Carolina within a couple of weeks if you really wanted to. Right. So, yeah, we're just going to take our time, though. We're, we're not in a hurry this year. So, you know, last year we went down there. I spent five weeks driving around Florida, sleeping in my van to find that boat. And everything I looked at was overpriced or overpromised. Right. And then eventually I found, you know, a boat for a great deal and everything. And I was, you know, I really wanted something that I could stay off grid on with solar panels and, you know, the water maker and and, uh, you know, the two months we were on the boat, we never plugged in anywhere, not once. Yeah. That's wow. Awesome. That's awesome. So do you just stock up on food? Or yeah, like what kind of provisions? Catching? Yeah. Yeah, we, we stock up on food, and then you have your little dinghy, which is another little raft with a you know, little three-horsepower yeah. engine on You can dinghy to shore. And, no, we went to bars and concerts. And <laughs> we're living we in a dream, man. It's a beautiful – it's a great life to live, I tell you that. It's so you yeah, think one day, like you guys will like live on a sailboat? I don't know. I don't know. I could see me doing that, but I don't know. It's not you can handle that all the time. If I can get Eric to promise you some favor, like some, you know, I don't know, random favor, would you take me and him up? <laughs> oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. I don't want Travis on any kind of boat. He gets motion sickness and pukes everywhere. It would be terrible. Well, well, on second thought, Travis. <laughs> yeah, I'll be fine. It's yeah. Eric. Eric. Every every vessel Eric has ever entered with me, whether it's a kayak or a canoe, we've capsized. I, I do it on purpose, actually. <laughs> Eric sucks at staying inside of a, of a vessel. We did a Flint River trip on a class four and a canoe, and we lost it. And we went tried to go from uh, St. Simons to Jekyll one time, and just out of nowhere, just he gave up on life, and we were out <laughs> treading water. Was that was that whenever the um yes there was the a giant, giant cargo ship yeah, was, was trying to come in? No, it wasn't a cargo. It was like a fishing it was boat like or a something. Fishing boat, yeah, it was and a big it was, one though. It was on its horn, talking to us, telling us to get out of the water, and I had to blame it on the Norwegian. I think he, I think he called us a dumbasses. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure he did. Get yeah. out of the water. <laughs> yeah. That sounds so like you, good stuff. You might have, um, you know, your work cut out for you if these two goons go out there on the boat. <laughs> well, they're more than welcome to come. Travis, you'll just have to puke overboard. That, well, <laughs> Eric will hold my hair. <laughs> oh, my. Hold, hold my. Hold my beard. <laughs> out of your face while you puke. <laughs> so, John, you're out in California right now, right? 
Yeah, I'm in Roseville, which is just north of Sacramento. Okay. I've been out in that area, that Sacramento area. I had to go out there for many years ago, and it's it's it just blew me away how agricultural it is. It's all agriculture out there. I don't know if that area that you're in is like that, but man, it was just it's, uh, it's south of here. It's just orange groves and tomato fields. It, it looks like South Georgia. Yeah. You know, Modesto area and, you know, on down, I mean, it's actually, it's, you know, you take the highways here and you'll see exactly what you said. Just, just so many, I mean, just, it goes on and on, orange fields and very agricultural. Yeah. yeah. Just trucks of riding around with all kinds of produce. That's cool. So you get That's to, exactly. like, you, you, there's probably lots of farm stands and stuff so you can get, like, you know, fresh food. Yeah, there's a few of them. I honestly don't have much time as much as people think. They, I mean, everybody thinks, oh, he's got it made. He's always traveling. But <laughs> I, mean, I got so much on my plate, guys. I, I really do. Like, I've bitten off a lot. Since I started sailing, I knew I had to to generate the funds that it's going to be necessary. So gotcha. it's actually been a good thing for me. I committed to more at work and, you know, to help generate them funds. And Right. At the same time, you know, like I said, I, I bit off quite a bit, which is means more stress. And so I'm, I'm kind of on a mission to make that happen two months away. Then yeah. two months, I'll be off for a while. And, you know, so you're, cool. you're missing Jonesboro pretty much, right? <laughs> not oh, yeah. Jonesboro. Who, who doesn't miss the south side of Atlanta? That's right. I do not miss Jonesboro. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a great place to grow up but i think we were the last generation to really enjoy that place for what it is man you just said it you just nailed it It, it, exactly what you just said (laughs) and i'm telling you it was it's been it's been a while now but when dean's barbecue burnt up and there was just no reason to go to jonesboro georgia after dean's barbecue burnt dean's barbecue was so gross yeah my parents live in henry county still and uh, my brother david he's up in gainesville area Oh yeah, with uh, with my uncle Gary, and you know that's where I was born. His whole grandfather <laughs> retired from the army for thirty five years, bought that place up there, and you know kind of finished raising his family up there. And yeah. eventually, my dad and our family we moved from there down to Griffin, Georgia, and then it ended up going a little further north. And that's when we settled in Jonesboro. Gotcha. I think I was six or seven years old then, and so I, I pretty much grew up there in Jonesboro and. Um, you yeah, know, great, great place to grow up. Nothing to do but get in trouble is what I say. <laughs> but but man, you're exactly right, though, man. I really believe that we were the last uh, fleeting folks, you know, uh, when we were teenagers to, to get what we got out of it. Yeah, it was a uh, Southway parking lot and, you know, just the parties, the the camaraderie of, you know, I mean, and, and honestly, when we went to Monday's Mill, it was a little segregated. <laughs> right. you know, we, we, all, we had all not grown up yet, so right. there was still, but uh, it seems like once we all got into Jonesboro High School, then like everybody was friends. It didn't, didn't matter if you were a cheerleader or a, no. you know, right. no. long, long-haired hippie or, you know, it's like we all saw each other at the same parties and like everybody got along and it was just it was a really good place to grow up and you know i, I still keep in touch you know chris dennis was yep. one of probably wow where's uh, chris dennis now I used he to lives down in he lives down in tampa area wow good yeah, for so him when i go down to florida i stay with him a lot because you know he's being him's been buddies since we were you know seven years old so we go way back and he reached out to me a few years ago and ever since then we just 
been in touch. You know, our birthdays are one day. Wow. I'm the 26th. He's the 27th. So, yeah, you know, we're – and I played, right. I played on a couple of different soccer teams with, with Chris. Uh, when we were little, little, you know, we were okay. like nine or 10 years old. And I remember, I don't know if this is dad or his stepdad was one of the coaches. And uh, I just always remember him. But yeah. Now, John, I would, it would be a miss if I didn't ask. Were you a part of that crew that used to ride your bikes up from Bonanza to Old Dixie Highway? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he knew exactly what I was talking about. I can't believe that. You know, he told me that story a long time ago. Yeah, we were cross-country bicycle riding back then, I guess. Oh, my gosh, dude. Do you you want me to mention, like, why did y'all go up there? I guess it was the only place we could find a little bud. I didn't know exactly. I didn't have to say anything. Hilarious. Yeah. Now you know, we had buddies along the way, so we would end up, you know, going over to uh, what Drake's Lake. I think is the name of the. Um, yeah, you know, we yeah. yeah we'd go through that area, and you know, so we would make stops along the way. Yeah, and the next thing you know, we were we were way up there. That was um, quite. Wow. A, that's that's a quite a bike trip. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know how many miles is that. Shoot, it's a good. I don't know. That's probably like, what, 12? 12, miles? at least yeah. 12. At least. Yeah. It's, it's doable. I could probably still do that at 50. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. I want to know what the hardest part about this has not got anything to do with Jonesboro. Um, it's got to do with today. The hardest part about um, your extended van traveling, like when you go from one place to another in in your van, like you sleep in your van, right? Yes. So yeah, just while, yeah, yeah. Just I saw that you were in a, you were in a hangar the other day or a couple of weeks ago or something. Yeah, well, we were at uh, Airbnbs and BRBO. You know, I just I'm hotel roomed out. I just yeah. stayed in hotel rooms just to you know when you stay in a hotel room, you just have to deal with more people. Right. So you know, do you deal with more. Like that's basically what you're doing. You're boondocking. You're just you just stop wherever, take it all in. Boondocking. I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with that term. Boondocking is basically just like camping out in the middle of nowhere in your but van, in or your van or your RV or whatever. Like, and you're off the grid, kind of off the grid. Don't have any services or anything. Right. Yeah, that's usually when I'm traveling, actually driving, making a three or four day drive. I'll stay in my van, but yeah. usually as soon as I get somewhere, I'm checking into an like right now we're at an Airbnb. It's a two bedroom apartment. Gotcha. Yeah, and before that, you know, I, I look on uh, my wife Sonia helps me with a lot of that because mm-hmm. you know I work at nighttime. We usually work from nine in the morning or nine at night to six or seven in the morning. Oh, so, uh, man. Then we then I sleep all day long, you know. So you know, I've got a lot to coordinate. You know, we got painters on the job, electricians, you know, all this dealing with the managers, and like I got a, a lot on my plate. So it's hard for me to do everything. So she helps coordinate and gotcha. you know line up rental equipment books our rooms hotel flights right. not just for me but for the other two crews that we run too right. like she had to so, help so apparently you married one of those good ladies too i was gonna say behind <laughs> a good sure man did. is a great lady so man you right. ain't never lied i've been, <laughs> been more fortunate no for it we've been married for 29 years now and i've just uh you know when when i 
got you know there in Jonesboro. I was in a rock and roll band, throwing parties all the time, and she came over one night. Ever since then, we've been in, in just inseparable. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. It will always be that way. But uh, you know, I've been away from the house now for seven weeks. I haven't seen her. She's gonna hopefully oh, fly here. You know, we've been like I said, we really sacrificed a lot this last year trying to make this sailing thing happen. Right. <laughs> so she's back in in Montana. Doing yes, all this from like basically, you know, from home base while you're out doing the job. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. We're kind of working together as a team. I'm the on site manager and she does a lot of the billing, make sure we're getting paid, make sure we're paying out, you know, getting all the tax information. And, you know, there's a lot of paperwork. Yeah, I'm sure is. Running a business like what we do. But, um, you know, she she does a great job, and you know we're we're on a mission, and we're almost done. Like we've been doing it for the, since we did our first sailboat thing, which was I want to say it was about thirteen or fourteen months ago. Mm-hmm. Mm, right. After after that, I just committed. Like I see what it's going to take. I know how much money I need. At least this amount. Yeah, so right, right. Like, hey, like how do you come up with a hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's almost overwhelming to to think about it. But it's like, you know, I'm the kind of guy I just won't give up. So, you know, know, I'm at the point now I I got the money. (laughs) Now I just need to get all time off work so I can go (laughs) spend it and make it happen. So, you know, and I wanted it to be where we're not on a budget because last time we went down there, we were on a budget. And, you know, it's it's never fun being on a budget. Right. No. Not when you're on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And here, here, Travis and I were thinking that two weeks on the vacation was like, you know, kicking your yeah, heels I want up. More now. I, I know, more right? Now. <laughs> Are you hiring? <laughs> <laughs> so, John, tell me what. Actually, am I hiring? We can't. The, the labor force in the United States is it's horrible right now. Right. Mm. Yeah. Horrible. I'm like sure the people you get. Yeah, the people you do get to work. Like they're. I don't even want to get into it, honestly. Most people are lazy. Let's just leave it at that. Right. Well, John, we... We appreciate you uh, being with us tonight. Yeah, man, uh, thanks. Man, this has been, been awesome. And, hey, would you please come back on and uh, after your, your trip and tell us about the, your your next sailing trip? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be awesome. Or shoot yeah. while you're out there in the water. There you go. I like that idea. <laughs> yeah. We'll pipe you in then. Now, John, I'm here to tell you right now, if, if the south side of Atlanta has a Jack London, you're it. <laughs> you are the south side yeah. of Atlanta's Jack London. <laughs> I appreciate that, sure. man. That means a lot. I really I, do. That is no joke. You you really tapped into, um, you know, you turned your turned what was not so great into something that's really awesome. Living the dream, yeah, really. It's, it's really awesome that you're able to go on all these adventures and things yeah. people dream about. Oh yeah. And, and you've turned it into a reality for yourself. That's you know, cool. against all odds, really. You know, it's not like the city that we grew up in was anything spectacular, and you know friends we had and, and everything else and, and you just you made a, a, a great life for yourself I think yeah, I appreciate it. thanks guys thanks for all the support that really means a lot y'all, y'all, y'all choking me up here I appreciate it <laughs> well, well yeah you're right I had no upper hand I was the, the guy in line at school with the free lunch card you know my, my mom and dad divorced when I was young my mom stepped up to the plate um, my neighbor, the neighbor next door, uh, my second mother, I call her Linda. She 
I was raised by two women, you know, both of them, their husband left them with two kids and they were very strong willed women that made it happen. And, you know, Linda would have noodles, we'd have spaghetti sauce, we'd all gather together with her two kids. And that's, that's how we grew up. My mom awesome. worked two jobs and yeah. just, uh, you know, we, we grew up with, we were, we were rich with love, you know, yeah. we didn't have a whole lot, but that's okay. you know, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't know the difference either. Right. You know, I had I had two pairs of Levi's, and that's all I needed. Back then. <laughs> right, I less love, is more. I love that, and uh, yeah, just your whole story is just amazing to me. But you know, I mean, honestly, what really just turned it around was just learning good hard work etiquette. Right, you just like work, work for what you want and don't right. give up. And that's what I think is yeah. lacking today. You Absolutely, know, like you said about the labor force, people don't know how to work hard to get what you want and that's what's that's you know that's what's yeah. bad maybe we were the last yeah. generation to have that figured out too i guess yeah yeah i mean things given for free have no value no not at all so it's like if i give you something you're not going to appreciate it as much as you know if you work for it right so exactly so now a lot of people have told me you need to go fund me you need to you know set up a you know, a patron, and it's just like, you know, I, I just believe in if you want something, you work for it. Yeah. Right. If you, you know, if you don't work for it, then, you know, you don't get it. Heck yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you're right. But, you know, whenever you're out there and, and you make, I think you have a YouTube channel, don't you? You make YouTube videos or whatever. You should start. I try to mess around with that a while. We used to do videography on the, the climbing for years. So, you know, I always enjoyed editing video, but, yeah. you know, it's, it's more just something for, you know, me and friends to look back on years from now. And, you know, every once in a while, I'll actually make a pretty decent video. But, uh, but most of them are more home video, you know, just quick yeah. edit videos. But, you know, if I had the time and I put more into it, I feel like I could do more with that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, it's very inspiring. Yes, agree. People seem to really enjoy it. You know, they, and they, I get that a lot. Where they're like, why aren't you doing any more videos? I love that video. Like, yeah. Right. But, well, you know, it's, it's time consuming. You know, it's, Yes. It takes time to put all that together and, yes. and uh, walking around with an idiot, like an idiot with the camera pointed all over the place. But you know what? People think, you That's know, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. And then here you are. They know you and they're like, oh, my gosh, this guy's doing it. Then they think then all of a sudden it gives them, you know, that thing. Oh, I can do that, too. And that's that's what's great. It's hive yeah, mind, right. I guess. So. I hope to inspire somebody just to get off the couch and go do something. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's awesome. I am not paragliding, though, and I probably will not climb any rocks. <laughs> I may get on a sailboat. John, what's, if uh, someone goes, if they're heading out to uh, Bozeman and they want to try paragliding, and what's your uh, website? It's Fly Life Paragliding. Very Fly good. Life. Fly Life. Okay, very good. Very good. We uh, We appreciate you. Yeah, it was um, pretty awesome. Um, Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for the invite, guys, and hopefully we'll keep in touch, Eric. Yeah. Try not to be such a stranger. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I follow, I've been following you and all your beekeeping. I think it's super awesome, man. Well, if uh, you're ever interested, I'll do everything I can to talk you out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, Eric's bee bees make some good honey. Yeah. We won't buy honey anymore. We just get honey from Eric's bees. They're They're doing a good job. Awesome. We'll just, you have to send me a bottle. Absolutely. Or, a, or a t whatever. I guess not a bottle. What do we put it in bottles or jars or? 
We, we'll put it in whatever you want. Uh, want to? He sent me an address, uh, John. He'll, he'll put it in, in one of his honey bears. That's <laughs> what I want. See, that's what he, he said. Send him a honey bear. Uh, you you uh, yeah. you send me an address. I'll get you. I'll get you some out there to to Montana. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Right. I appreciate it. Thanks, John. Thank you, John. We'll talk to you soon. S- stay safe. Safe travels. All right. All right. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Do you have a story to tell? Do you have a story that's so crazy you believe it should live on the internet forever? Do you know these stories that Travis and I talk about and you want to give your side of it and set us straight? Did you fight us in a parking lot somewhere? Did you almost fight us outside of a dive bar in Atlanta one time? That's okay because we would love to hear from you as well. Please email us at rttimespodcast at gmail.com. What'd y'all think of that? That was so, pretty awesome. I'm so glad that he came and talked to us tonight. Yeah, that was really good. That was. That was. Man. That dude is killing it. Rock climbing, ice climbing, <laughs> sailing. Right. Paragliding. Uh, project or, manager, so like tra- traveling project manager. Right. Like, man. Yeah. The, I, I, traveling in his van. Good night, man. I can't. Boondocking. Even though he didn't know what that was, he's doing it. <sighs> the list is long. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. I'm so glad that he he came and talked yeah. to us and uh, very inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. And you know that's the thing about John and uh, you know last season we talked to Jamie, mm. kind of similar in the mm-hmm. sense that both of them were just like, you know what, this is what I'm going to do, right. and they just went and did it and made it happen. And yeah, you know, cool. he, you know, and uh, I think John kind of said the same thing that Jamie did. You know, it took Jamie like a year before he was able to get to where he wanted to be working right. on those boats and. Um, yeah, and John's. Uh, I wonder if Jamie's it. retired now. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to get him back on here to, to talk to us about that. Yeah, we'll have to get John back on after they go on that sailing trip. Yeah, I'm I'd sure love to hear that. Lots of stories because yeah, he's going. Like that's he, that seems like a long serious. way. That is no joke. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you think about it, like and you're he going said, out. And he's only been doing it a year. He says, right, that, right. Yeah. yeah. Right, you're going out like, there in the water, and you've got nothing. One year. One year's nothing. That's what I'm going to do. That's awesome. No but regrets, he, just it, do but it. But he said it, man. He's just like, I'm, I'm an optimist. I think I can do these things, and he's doing it. Uh, right. Are we ready for season two? I'm ready for season two. I'm ready for new music. I'm ready for a new intro. Oh, gosh. I'm ready for these T-shirts <laughs> that you keep promising. Oh, no. dude, we're getting you a shirt, man. We're getting shirts. Can you put the logo on? The, oh, we already talked about that. On your back? <laughs> yeah, we can Tattoo. trim it in your hair. Yeah, we can. Trim it in my hair. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. maybe. Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get you some of them man leggings. I'm going to have them. I'll wear meggings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put, it'll be like, remember the times down the back side of your legs. Yeah. Remember the you times. You probably do it in my body hair. You probably do it in my body hair. Just shave it into my body Actually, hair. Actually, maybe we should put you through the um, direct garment printer and see. Uh, Say, remember the times that I could keep my bowels in. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So I sent Travis this thing where you could make hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year. <clears throat> Are you ready? Hmm. You poop in a cup, and you send it to this company, and they pay you for it. See, I was hoping that season two would not devolve <laughs> into poop. That was my one wish. And it's I'm leaving. <laughs> and it's gone. No, I mean, you know, I'm just saying. I didn't bring it up. I did. That was me. 
I why, why would somebody pay you one hundred eighty thousand dollars for that? I guess because they want like they do testing on. No, I think what it is is they actually do. They actually put it in people's bodies. Uh uh-uh, uh, what? Yeah, they what? they it's called poop trans. Plant, no, maybe. no, 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 no. Look it up. No. What? <laughs> no, no, no. Your gut flora may not be great, and then you find somebody who has a really good gut flora, and you take that poop and you put it in there, and it makes all those good germs populate and takes care of certain bowel problems. Weird. I don't so know. that would not be... They, they would be like, nope. It's called a fecal transplant. Uh-uh. Look it up. Did you look into it for real? Yeah, I was going to do it. Who was the doctor? <laughs> who was the doctor said, you know what? I, know. I guess I could do. Dr. Oz? I guess I could do heart surgery. No. I guess I could do brain surgery. No. I could work on people's eyes. No. Uh, fecal transplant. That's right. That's what I'm going to do. I don't know that that's what that's that specific job is, but I know that that's a thing. That's you'd, disgusting. You'd have to have some good poop, though, to make that kind of money. Is your poop good, Eric? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't. I know I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I know I do not want to talk about it. That's what I do know. But we'll talk about back hair. Yeah. Oh, I would... Well, there's tons of back hair. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we we've got shirts. And two guys in a cup. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, so um if you see our shirt out there. Two guys in a hairy cup and shirts. <laughs> then you need to know like that if you see our shirt, you're missing out. We'll do it again next time. I'll be here. Let's do this. See y'all later. Night, y'all.